I don't want a pickle. I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is the Nokomoto Podcast, episode number 170, I think. We are coming to you from Nokomoto Headquarters, also known as Moto One Podcast Network Recording Studios, Suite A. Our legal department continues to work around the clock without breaks. Um, uh, well, they got two major things. One, uh, they are trying to get the actual original published without permission image of me in their magazine so I can have the rights to it and own the, you know, own the original image. And, you know, if someone wants to, whoever wants to be the first to um, make a $500 donation to our Patreon will receive that image as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got you to laugh with one of these swigs. <laughs> um yeah, so uh right. Okay, so whoa, with that, uh, let's see what are we going to talk about. On oh, first of all, I'm your host MotoGP. With me is your other, your other host Swicky. <laughs> yep. And let's see here. We're going to do our best worst bike thing that we always do. We're going to skim through a couple news articles, and then we've got to talk about MotoGP in Misano because holy shit, what a round! I, this, this was a, this is, I mean, I know it's all because of championship implications, but even without the championship championship implications, amazing races all around really loved it. Super cool stuff. So should we get right into, oh, this is episode 170. I don't know if I said that. You did. Okay. Just for reference. Um, right. So let's jump into. Best worst bike. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay, so here we go. Get into the good stuff right at the front. Best worst bike in the world this week. This is where we each pick a different motorcycle. We don't know who has what. Well, we know who has what, but we don't know what each other have picked. Swigs is going to have one. I'm going to have one. We alternate who has best and who has worst bike every week. And, you know, it's just a surprise, and it's just a fun way to talk about two different bikes in a way that you might not normally look at them. Hey, maybe you'll learn something. Even if what we say, even if our opinion is wrong, hopefully we at least introduce you to something, right? So, Swigs, you have best bike in the world this week. I do. Okay, are you ready to reveal it? I am. All right, sound effects. And the best bike in the world this week is? The Honda Forza 750. I'm not familiar with this. Let's see. So I have picked similar uh, models to this, but this is kind of, there's a very specific reason why I picked, well, there's a couple specific reasons why I picked this. One is I felt obligated this week to pick a maxi scooter to uh, to honor the passing of 
This, oh wait, we had, we did talk about this. This is the AD. This is the street variant of the this ADV seven fifty. This is the street variant. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. but I, I did feel I did feel obligated and to to honor the passing of the Bergman six fifty. So I wanted to pick a maxi scooter. Right. But looking at this, it's a really compelling thing. So it's a slightly long stroke motor. It's not as long a stroke as like the NC750X. It's it's still pretty close to square. So it it's 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 the the jugs are done a little differently, although I'm pretty sure it's still that Honda Fit motor. Um but it's pretty close to square. It's 58 horsepower and 50 foot-pounds of torque. They claim 87 miles per gallon and it i mean it's a 750 scooter like they're really going for it the interesting thing about it is um it's not a cvt they put the dual clutch in it yeah because isn't this basically what was it called like the honda integra or something like that it was like a. It was basically this scooter, this frame, this motor, and the DCT, and it came out around the same time as the uh, the Batmobile bike. Um, let me look at this Honda. I think it's Integra. No, that's the car, but it's in something. It's in to to. It's not in Honda scooter. This is great. DCT. Pod. I know. Um, oh, what's it called? Oh, it is the Integra. Yeah. So they made a scooter called the Integra as well. And you can just see it's so similar to this. It might actually be a slightly different frame. It's hard to tell, but it's basically this. But it is, I, this scooter is hard to love. The Integra is impossible to love. <laughs> that, <laughs> let's, let's say that. Yeah, I so I and the reason I go for this is because you know it's impossible to get any kind of like any kind it we you know for so long if you want to buy a modern scooter you have to just get the a, a CVT of some kind and it's something that's just built purely for for mileage you know for my, for the economy and that's not entirely true. Well, one of the cool things about a CVT is your the power band, like you know the the peak horsepower or the peak horsepower RPM moves with you. You're always it right smack dab in the best part of the power band because of the way the gearing changes infinitely. You're never you approaching the- or going past it. You're always on it if it's set up correctly. Well, and if you have the horsepower to keep up with the throttle response, I mean, but yeah, I know what you're saying. You're you're producing both max horsepower, but more importantly, max torque for any RPM. So it maximizes what you get out of a very, very small scooter as well. Well, you do, but that's also, you also, that's also within the, the confines of how much power you actually have. Plus whatever you're getting robbed by the CVT. It's, well, yeah, but it's a couple belts. It's it's comparable or less than, than a chain drive system. 
I don't. Maybe Phil can can let us know, but I feel like there's a quite a lot of loss in a in a CVT transmission. Uh, I, okay, but maybe uh, not. But what I would say is that you know it. You know, I've all. I, I spent a long time kind of looking for a scooter, but I didn't want to go. And, you know, I wanted something like the uh, like the Stella, but I would have preferred to have something like that with the with the grip shift, but in four stroke. But that's like some, that's some, like, that's impossible to find, especially in the U.S. Bajaj. <laughs> Bajaj makes it for or made it for you. Bajaj made it. Um, technically, um, uh, Honda Hero in India makes it or made it yeah. for a while. Uh, but like it to get like a modern like grip shift for uh, four stroke machine of any kind, it's it's the rarest. It's pure unobtainium in the U.S. You're never gonna walk into a dealership and find that, but. On the other hand, it, the 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 dual clutch uh, transmission, like especially Hondas, you know, after the first year, something I really liked and thought was really good, and that's kind of a, that's a great direction to go if you want a scooter, if you want a maxi scooter, and you want something that's kind of engaging. Here's a fifty-eight horsepower scooter with dual clutch. It's uh, is anyone making anything bigger than a 750 at this point? Um, I don't, I don't think so. No, I, the, the dual clutch is cool because it lets you do this stupid thing that the, that the Bergman 650 let you do, which was, it had a quote, heavy air quotes, manual mode. Which was just pre-selected points along the be- the the width of the CVT's range. Yeah, and so you could like a like a bullshit uh, Volkswagen Tiptronic transmission. You could pretend you were shifting up and down, yeah. but you weren't really shifting gears. You were just just moving the variator to certain locked positions along the way. That's My- that's all you were doing. My favorite thing about that whole You were system, making your CVT shitty is all you were doing. I loved how like every American CVT came with that because apparently Americans can't buy a car and feel like it's like it's doing any work unless it's like the engine feels like it's lugging and shifting slowly. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be able to over-rev it, and you've got to be able to lug the engine, or else it ain't right. Yeah. yeah um, so dumb. Well, and th- I think the dumb thing about the Bergman, too, is if you fuck it up bad enough, it will eventually just shift up anyway. Right. So all you can do is very, for short amount of times, force the transmission to behave badly. Yeah. If you want to unoptimize your ride, the option is yeah. available to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's not unlike, it's, it's no, it's exactly like the um, the uh, the VTAX button on the the Honda Beat scooter, where it's like, thank God someone was here to press the button. 
You know, <laughs> anyone else would have fucked it up. But uh, me, I know when to shift down on this. I know how to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. That was so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> well, the dual clutch is actually really cool. And the dual clutch is cool um, because of the fact that you get to do things that the compute you're you're op you actually can optimize it in a way and ride better than the computer can because you can shift contextually like you just let it do all of its normal things i think i well i've, I've probably said this like a half dozen times in the podcast but it, it's things like when you're slowing down the computer gets ready to shift um to shift up as you're as as you know, as the power goes down, it's like, oh, well, we can be more efficient. We can shift up until we need to get the power back on. But like, if you're in a line of traffic and there's a clear lane to your right or to your left, and you're about to pull out and you need to get on the gas, like the computer can't select up or down. It'll, the computer will always select up a gear, whereas you you need you need to actually override it and say, no, we're going down a gear because you know that you're about to gun it and and accelerate off in the open lane. So you do actually have some autonomy in the dual clutch system. And, you know, it's, it feels engaging because there actually is a way to ride it poorly. Uh, so yeah, I don't really, I mean, you kind of run into a similar problem with the CVT as well, but there's no, anyway, the point is, dual clutches are cool. Maxi scooters are cool, are cool, and this is a ridiculous maxi scooter. Yeah, I I like to say that it's impossible for something to be the best at everything, but it's very attainable and also very cool when something is the best at a certain particular thing. And now that there's no longer a Bergman six fifty, I think this is the coolest maxi scooter. Well, is the Bergman 650 making its way through this year or making sure. it through next year? I, I think I think it, this is sort of a uh, uh, a thing like, you know, while supplies last, it's still here. But they but they have planned a decease in production. Right. Yeah. And maybe there'll be some sort of, you know, 750. Well, I don't know. Suzuki tends to not kill things and have them drag on forever. But Suzuki is also, think about this. Is the Bergman really gone? Because. Is this another, yeah, is this another uh, Hayabusa story? Well, I think it is. I think it's a Hayabusa story. But think about how Suzuki has just killed, uh, not just killed, just just done the, the GT bike, right? And it's their first bike with the full suite of um, uh, touchscreen display and all that other stuff. The Bergman 650 is so feature rich, you know, and that's the whole point of that bike is that it's got, you know, a sound system and it's got the electric adjusting mirrors and it's got the the manual mode on the CVT. And, I, you I know, love the electric mirrors. They're right there. Like, right, yeah, <laughs> they're right and the and the auto, and the electric adjusting windshield and heated grips and all that. It's got so many features. 
is the only is it and and honestly it's it's got a really outdated look in the cockpit i think the front of it's fine but the cockpit looks very 90s is it a sort of situation where suzuki's going hey are you telling me that fake wood paneling is out of style <laughs> i think i think uh we might see a new bergman with with full tft and everything in a couple years i i'm but for the moment Whilst, I would prefer, whilst the Bergman 650 ha- has been announced, planned cease of production, this is now the coolest maxi scooter. This is the best one. I would prefer a Bergman that was more analog, if possible. Well, that's the Bergman 400. No, I mean, like, I think you'd have all the technology under the hood, and you'd have, like, speakers and your Bluetooth connection for your phone and everything. But like, just make all the gauges analog. Oh, so you want like the like the '90s Goldwing, not real cruise control with the plus and minus button, and that you have to still const- you don't want true cruise control to Bergman. No, I just I just want there to be no evidence of anything digital on it. I well, what ev- about what about C4 Corvette fake digital style stuff? Okay, I I can I can go in. For okay, that. yeah, because the current one has things has a uh, yeah. Well, I also I don't, LCD is so much more analog than people realize as well. I'm a big sucker for for LCD display. Only if you can promise me that within six months there'll be substantial burn in on the screen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready to move to worst bike of the world this week? Yeah, let's go. All right, here. Pass me a beer. And and the worst bike in the world this week is Dan Gurney's Alligator. Oh, 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 the Alligator. This is a bike that... If this does not involve taxidermy, I'm going to be very disappointed. It it does not. Um, but this is this ups, This is a bike that for years has upset me on the level that the Nikon upsets me, and it's one of those things. It. it it's a motorcycle for car people like the Nikon. It really falls into that category. They are super hard to get a hold of on top of it and expensive because it's this weird bespoke motorcycle thing that just this small little like oh, garage racing company makes. I remember this. So yeah. this is made by famous, famous, famous racer Dan Gurney, who uh, just, you know, IndyCar, Formula One, you know, racing legend. And he decided that motorcycles sit too tall for him. He needs to be down low, more at the height of like an IndyCar or a go-kart. So what gets me about this is it's somewhere in between uh, a maxi scooter and a Harley cruiser seating position sport bike, right? This is like someone, I, you know, those slammed bikes with, with the bags, the, the saddle bags, like three inches off the ground and shit. 
yeah. right? It, it's like that, but it's a sport bike. Is and it it's distressing. Bike? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it? Yeah. So he's all like, well, it lowers the center of gravity and that's good. Well, yeah, but if you just tip the bike over, guess what's low? The fucking center of gravity, right? The, you know, because it, it's the whole point of this bike is it's supposed to be some sort of racer, but yet you cannot find any pictures of it racing anything. And for a, a bike, for a track bike, it has the most insane motor ever. It's a fucking Honda X, uh, XR650 uh, single, like bored to 700 or 750 or something. Um, so it's like 58 horsepower or whatever. Nothing to write home about. It's like 300 pounds because a bunch of racing guys made it and they stripped off anything you don't need. But it's otherwise a very outdated sort of front bike, a uh, uh, sport bike up to the handlebars, then some sort of weird cruiser in the middle. And I don't even know how to describe the back and the tail. Uh, do you, I mean, uh, uh, distressing. Yeah. Have a go at sort of talking to people about what this fucking thing looks like. Uh, I don't know. It, I, it it's it's like the mom jeans of motorcycle aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's very not good. <laughs> and mm, and so if if you go to the website for this thing, they claim that they're still developing it, and that's what really gets me about it that this thing has wasted so many people's time already and that it continues to waste people's time in development. I've never heard of a racing league for things like this. I've never heard of these performing well in anything. I've never heard anybody talk about riding one and really being favorable about it. It's, you know, you hear people like on websites like Odd Bike and whatever going, oh, there's Dan Gurney's, you know, famous alligator bike that supposedly has better weight distribution and whatever. But yet we have yet to see this. Ha like, the, there's no serious racer in the world that wouldn't put a fucking R1 motor in this and give it a go if they thought they were going to win. Right. So, like the Niken. I, I really dislike these bikes that go for one single engineering principle and try to bend the rest of the machine to its will. Yeah. Just to, just to sort of like out of some sort of stubborn know-it-allness that the rest of the world has been doing it completely wrong forever and like... Uh, you know, it. this is only a motorcycle a car person could love because it goes, oh, sport bikes, they're all wrong, man. You need to make your sport bikes more like an indie car, okay? No, no, that's not how it works. You, you clearly don't get road racing 
uh, like motorcycle rate road racing. Like, uh, uh, this setup is not going to be good for flat track. This setup is clear. It's not good for anything except looking really, really lame and dorky. I, as evidenced by the fact that this concept has gone nowhere. And, and on top of that, uh, this is, you can't find a picture of a young person on one of these of like a currently experienced, like currently racing racer. I've not found one. Maybe one exists. Please send it to me if you find it, but I, I'm sure you'll find people supposedly on record saying nice things about it, but I'll bet you it's because they were within earshot of somebody who built one or Dan Gurney himself or whatever. Like that's, you know, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, there is a picture of Eddie Lawson on one and I, while he was racing. No, there you go. No. And I feel like the picture may have been taken without his consent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I love, I love that people will build like crazy shit all the time. And I love it when, when manufacturers build crazy stuff and I encourage them to always build, to keep going and do weird shit. And just see what sticks and what works. But when a dumb idea comes along, like, we're not obligated to pretend that it was cool or that it was a good idea or that it just, that it came too soon or any bullshit like that. Like, we, in the creative process and as we discover new cool things, like, you do have to call out the shitty things. Yeah. Now, there's one situation in which I would be excited to see one of these, and that's if I was riding around Southern California and I saw Jay Leno on one, right? And I pull up to the rock store or something, and there's Jay Leno riding an alligator, because he must own one of these, right? He must. Right, because he is the curator of weird and whatever, right? And he loves a glorious failure like this. And in that case, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like an alligator, like you rode one of these here because, you know, and you're embracing its stupidness. But I, but a dude that owns one of these must be exhausting because all they must do is talk about the virtues of its low center of gravity and how every other bike is doing it wrong, right? If you own this, there's no other conversation you can have. Because you have to justify to everybody why your sport bike has a Harley V-Rod riding position. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, otherwise, it's just the sport bike for dudes, for like old dudes with back problems. Uh, Right? But still, in that case, get a fucking Honda Forza seven fifty. That that's gonna do the. I mean, why would you have this when the Forza seven fifty exists? Because it's it's gonna get you a lot of the benefits of this riding position and be faster, and it doesn't have to pretend that it's better than a sport bike. Yeah, and also he. 
He claims that he designed this bike because he thought that, like, as a tall person, like, motorcycle, like, sport bikes, like, had horrible ergonomics for tall people. Like, you know, you could have just made a new subframe. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't Michael Jordan own a Ducati? Like, fuck off. Right? Yeah. Like, Scott, Scott Redding got to MotoGP. Yeah, isn't Scott Redding six foot or something? <laughs> he's like six two. He's huge. Is he that tall? He may not be six two, but he's I think tall. he was like five eleven or almost he, but six. He's, like, he's, he's, he's real tall for GP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, help five five nine is tall for GP, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It, uh, let me look. At I'm gonna have to look. This is gonna bother me. How tall Scott Redding is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you understand that thing I'm saying, like the Niken, these these bikes that just take this one design principle? Like six foot tall. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he takes his design principle to the extreme just to prove some sort of fucking point that isn't really provable. Okay, you can weld. Cool. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... I don't get this bike. Also, they claim to have been developing this bike for, you know, 30 years. or so. I think actually, no, long, probably 40 years they've been developing this. I think they said they made like the first one in 1980 or something. So first of all, maybe it's time to give up on this idea. But second, the the most current version still looks fucking unfinished. Like, 40 years of production, it ought to be that bloody brilliant that it's, like, kicking ass in GP by now, right? I I don't care if it's been development only from one dude. Like, that, that's more man hours than most things that at Honda ever have, right? So either they have really not been developing it for that time, like, it's, we're, it's still in development 40 years later means... There are still like fifteen of them hanging around Dan Gurney's garage, is what that means. I mean, it's probably in development in the same way that like a movie is in development for a decade, but it's really like somebody wrote ten pages like nine years ago, and then they're like, "Oh, you got that script right? Like, we're totally gonna we're gonna bankroll this, and we're gonna make it work." And like, "Oh shit, I've got to finish this." Like, it's it's not really in the works. That's that's bullshit. Yeah, I mm, yeah, it's I just can't go. I'm sure it's kooky. I'm sure like when you ride it, like you sort of smile and go, "Well, this thing's fucking weird." This little six fifty seven hundred single air cooled just to take around a track and be in this super weird riding position. I'm sure they have fun. At, at their at their facility racing them against each other just being dorks but this is not for serious riding right i mean i i feel like if you're gonna go this extreme like why not just go all the way and create a, re- a recumbent mic- motorcycle well other people have and this basically is a recumbent motorcycle but it's a recumbent motorcycle that makes you reach for the handlebars yeah it's true too <laughs> yeah yeah because it's still got clip-ons uh yeah it, it's yeah it's a v-rod with the rake of an r1 it's really dumb <laughs> like you could you could 
just put your feet up and control this bike with your feet on the highway and it would look less ridiculous and dangerous than a lot of stunters doing wheelies on the highway. Yeah, and it, it answers a question that no one ever asked. What if my sport bike had a bucket seat? Right? Yeah. I <sighs> Dumb. <sighs> dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it the way I hate left-handed guitars. <laughs> right? There's no fucking point. It's absolutely, you know, people, oh, Jimi Hendrix played like the, the right-handed guitar left-handed and blah, blah. It's like, shut up. Shut up. The fret, it, the fretboard's the same way, left or right. It's not a fun, you know, and, and oh, just on the point of left-handed guitars, people are like, well, there's left-handed people. Why are you hating on left-handed people? There's no other instrument that's left-handed, right? No one plays fucking violin left-handed. You know why? Because if they were in an orchestra, they'd fucking elbow the person next to them in the face, right? No one plays clarinet left-handed, and but, but there are left-handed people that play all these other instruments, Right, but for some reason, for some fucking reason, guitar players seem to get away with pointing the guitar the other direction, and it looks wrong. It looks weird, and I hate it. Well, also as a left-handed person, there are some things that are nice to have left-handed, like scissors, and that's kind of the end of the list. Yeah, like outside of that, the there's really not like like if you see a person in real life who uses a left-handed mouse just understand that like most left-handed people think that person is a freak yeah like it yeah because you know what you need to play any instrument as far as i'm concerned dexterity in both fucking hands (laughs) i'm not aware of an instrument that only requires dexterity in one uh no, left-handed guitars should not. Do, it's 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 from the devil, you know where it should be out the window. Okay, yeah, I've never seen a left-handed trumpet or a left-handed saxophone, a left-handed clarinet. Right. So you know, I I understand like with this motorcycle. Well, it's a way to have a sport bike, but not have to deal with sport bike seating position. Well, then you don't really want a sport bike, do you? Also, there are a lot of options in that category. There's six, the the whole six fifty class, which is totally relaxed. There's sport tours. There's uh sub six hundred cc bike. There's all sorts of things. This is not necessary. So not. And I, I I love that like up to five of them exist. I don't know why they have to make, you know, 40 plus or so or however many there are. I know they made like 36 originally, but like while they're still tooling around and being redesigned and being they show them off that they, they have some of like the Peterson Museum and shit. Like it's not historically significant. It's not. <laughs> It's not significant historically in any way. As far as I'm concerned, like the fucking Piaggio MP3 has more innovation in it than this thing. It's actually probably true. I know it's true. 
Yeah. Um, so there we go. The the Dan Gurney alligator gets the official MotoGP thumbs down. And I know that's going to hurt some people's feelings, but I know Dan Gurney's a beloved figure, not a beloved motorcycle figure. It's okay. This is just a car person that doesn't understand racing motorcycles. And if that's okay, but let's not take this idea seriously. The, I feel I would rather have anything else. I feel like your scooter that I did that burnout on should take the place of any museum spot that one of these is taking up, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, should we should we move on to some news items? Are you saying like we need to induct the Stella into... Uh... Actually, what what is the AMA Hall of Fame? Yes, I believe so. (laughs) It's technically an American badge. It's yeah. I mean, there you go. All right, let's let's um, yeah, let's just roll right into some news items. Um, let's just kind of do a couple, uh, look up a couple articles here. Um, ooh, uh, you had not seen this. I feel like this is time to talk about it. And you're going to love this. And you're going to love it because, well, here. Buell, the new incarnation of Buell, which has some old Buell staff, is run by the people who purchased Buell from Eric Buell, or the liquidators who did, uh, who have revived the models Buell was making when it shut down put them back into production has released a as date a, as a quick aside to put here, a new model into production as a quick aside here um when we went on our kind of end of season ride last week um we got like way up into the mountains we stopped for a bit and uh, dad started asking questions about the ulysses and then he asked the one question that mike was just on the hair triggered answer, which was he asked, "Is Buell still around? Are they still making motorcycles?" And he got to do the whole spiel of of going from Buell to um, to Division of Harley to Division of Harley all the way back, and then to um, to EBR, and then back to Buell coming back as a name and still being a legitimate unbroken chain. He got like all the serotonin he needed for the season. Nice. Like in that one question, I just saw him light up. Yeah, <laughs> it was like this is gonna keep you going for months, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, Buell has released a new model, which is an update to the 1190 RX, and you're going to love the name of this motorcycle. Okay, because for a couple years now. You have been lamenting the lack of shark-based motorcycle names. Is this going to be? Is what? Is it a Barracuda? It's the Hammerhead. The Hammer. Oh, that's a great name. Yeah. Yes. And very appropriately, it's got big shark gills in the fairing. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, I know. I knew you're going to like this. So it's it's. I I feel this bike is like ninety percent a Buell 1190 RX. 
And they claim that they've got some new air intake technology that uh, swirls the air around in a certain way that gives them a better burn. And it gets 40 miles per gallon, apparently, and it makes 182 horsepower and like 101 foot-pounds of torque. So it's just a beast of a bike. It's all American uh, hand-built in in uh, in Michigan. Um, yeah, and it's Buell, and it's, it's not Eric Buell, but it's the rest of the Buell company, essentially. And... I uh, cool, you know, and they claim that they're going to put like that hill bike, uh, that hill climber bike into production in some form, and they've got like a big touring bike based on this There's, platform okay, I'm coming. Just looking so, at the specs here, this is a 4.17 by 2.66 inch motor. This is a 1200cc yeah. twin. With the most insane uh, bore and stroke I have ever seen. Yeah, it does 10,000 RPM, supposedly. And it's 13.4 to 1 compression. Yeah. This is a serious motor. Yeah, this rivals like the the baddest Super Duke and and uh, the the Panigale um, V2 motors and all that stuff. This is... This is serious. This is not fucking around. Now, I believe the bike does not have any cool, like, digital gizmos. I don't think you get an IMU and all that crazy stuff. Good. Well, yeah, I, I'm personally in favor of that as well. This is stripped down, old school, just badass horsepower. The only sort of modern thing about it is it has a slipper clutch, but which mm-hmm. I don't think the RX had. Might have. I don't think so. But, you know. So this is a light... Um, redesign of the 1190 RX. Right. Uh, But apparently this um, redesign was done by the guy who sort of co-designed the original 1190 RX with Eric Buell. His name is Ryan something. I can't remember. So this is like legit Buell, company Buell DNA in it. This is not legacy fraud. You know, um, it's pretty cool, but they claim November 1st, so that's, what, a week from today? Less mm-hmm. than. They claim they will start building these uh, for sale. Ooh. So, I mean, that's that's a, that's a promise. I mean, they announced this like a month ago or something. We're late on the story. But, hey, I've... Uh, you know that that's a thing for these things that rarely get off the ground. I don't know. That's it. Isn't it cool that once again there's a full on one hundred percent American made um, gas powered bike? I like it. It's, it's more cool. American made than a Harley. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, that's not that all, all that difficult these days. But well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like. You can lament the you you know you can you can you could at you you could wish for more and say I wish we still had like a we had something like the old Buell attached to Harley like doing the mass production and all that but like you can't get upset that they're trying and that they're doing it even if it is boutique like it's it's still there it's still awesome it's a shame that it's not done in a volume to make it more affordable. And to make it an atta- a real attainable thing for a lot of people, but 
it's still there. It still exists. I love that it exists. If they release some sort of 450 uh, dirt bike with the frame that they've got, I, it's going to be hard for me not to buy one. Yeah, it would be it would be sweet because they claim to have some some dirt bike things in the works, and maybe that's going to go in more of an adventure direction using this twelve hundred motor. But if they make a much smaller motor, a more like fifty horsepower motor, a sixty horsepower motor, that's a single. That's going to be really hard for me not to buy. Yeah. Mm. Just saying. But anyway, it, I, I just think it's cool for, for two reasons. One, what, how often do these boutique companies get into production, plan new models, and then actually start making the new models? Very rarely. But second, I love this celebration of a shark-based name. That's yeah, really yeah, a big absolutely. headline for me. <laughs> Why is it taking so long for a hammerhead to to appear? I'm almost a, I'm a little bit disappointed that the um, that the fairing isn't like distressingly wide and odd. Like the uh, do you remember in like was it like 2017? Like the the really distressing um, like Ducati prototype fairing in Moto. Oh yeah, the hammerhead fair. Yeah, like. I, I wanted to see something like that, to be honest, but I will accept just a shark-based name on a production motorcycle. Yeah. I- okay, so uh, when you came in here, you were telling me there's a new um, uh, Kawasaki hybrid bike or something? Uh, no, they, uh, no, they had the, the prototype revealed. And there, were, there, was, there was talk about it. We've got actual pictures of... Of the Kawasaki hybrid, and to be honest, I I'm gonna need something compelling to convince me that this is actually a good idea. Um, and essentially, what they've revealed is that they've got a um, they've like the only pictures of it are essentially just like a bare frame. Not bare for uh, uh, a completely unfair um, Ninja Four Hundred. Yeah, I'm looking at a Ninja Four Hundred with no bodywork on it. Right, and you know we're already trying to make the case for electric bikes. Why do we have to give people get people even less excited by introducing a hybrid? Why are we doing this? I don't understand. Well, what it, I mean, the Z four hundred already gets like what, like sixty eight miles per gallon or something ridiculous under ideal conditions. Uh, I mean, maybe this is just the platform that's easiest for testing. But what yeah. what is the the hybrid really supposed to get you? Does it just go electric around town? Yes. And it's just when you really get on the throttle that the gas motor kicks in? Yes. That's the way it's supposed to work. So it is a true like Prius style it is, like hybrid. But I have a lot of questions because okay. 
you know, electric bikes are already fairly heavy. So how much battery can you get in it and how much range can you get out of the battery in it? Secondly, okay, it's sweet to just be able to run on electric only all throughout town. But even in America where motorcycle insurance costs literally nothing, like you lose more change down the back of the couch in an age where we're in an age of a cashless society, then you pay in motorcycle insurance. How? Well, here's my here's my thing. Um, if it can, I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm partially on board. If we can get twenty miles of range and go electric only not full hybrid like if you can do the prius electric only you know how you can take your prius you can plug it in and you can go like 40 miles or something of just electric and then the gas motor kicks in it starts doing its hybrid thing yeah if you can do an electric only just in town version with this bike like short trips and go all electric using no gas and only need the gas motor to go on the highway or if you just want more performance then i'm then i'm in that this may not be a super stupid idea it's not a bike for everyone but i see how that would fit into the life for someone i disagree okay and i say that because you're already compromising it by putting by just reserving all this extra mass for the motor and batteries and mating two motors, an electric motor and a gas motor to the same transmission. In which case you could have just made a more fuel efficient gas bike, or you could have just committed to a full electric bike because on the highway, you're just, you're going to be thoroughly unimpressed with the performance of the gas motor that, is compromised by the electric motor on this bike. You're just not going to love it at all. And then, yes, you're still going to have like the hybrid mode where both mo the electric and the gas motor can give power at the same time for like twisties and things, which would be cool for a little bit, but you could have just had an all electric bike for that. And yes, technically you can do long highway road trips with this because it's hybrid, but at some point during that trip, your battery is going to drain all the way down to nothing, and then you're just going to be left with this really compromised low displacement gas engine only on the long trip, and it's going to be really disappointing. And I, I again, I don't think it makes sense to compromise. It's I the okay the best case scenario for this bike is that people buy it because it's oh it's a hybrid so I'll always have I'll always be able to fill it up with gas and get to where I need to go and then they buy it and then the testimonial that comes out after a year of ownership is I've made a huge mistake I really could have just gone with a full electric bike and I don't know why I did this this was a big mistake should have just gone whole hog. Just gone straight, fully committed to electric, and I would have been happier. That's the best case scenario, in my mind, for this bike. I think that... Also, they're, they're 
targeting 2025 for production. Yeah, for that's a, kind of ominous. Yeah. For a hybrid. It, this it's not 2007 anymore, okay? We're not in the heyday of the Prius. We have you can commit to full electric. Here, pass me another beer. Um I don't yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. How do I feel about, I don't want to be a hater, but yeah, I do feel it's, it's a bit flawed. I, yeah, have pick one or the other. Sure. Okay. Well, here I've, uh, let, let, let's, uh, let's, uh, table this for a moment. I think I need to think more about the idea of a hybrid motor and its reasonableness. Because you just threw this on me today. But I've got uh, another news article for you. And uh, you might love this or you might hate this. But I want to say episode 20-something, my best bike in the world was the Ducati Super Mono. Yeah. Which was the bike Pierre Turbulange designed that kind of turned into the aesthetic or borrowed the aesthetic from the 916. And it was a little single cylinder racer with a dummy piston for balancing that uh, just yeah. destroyed mono racing. Pierre Turbolange has designed a new super mono. Ooh. And it's pretty funky looking, but what it does is it this uh it's purely a prototype, but it has a sort of like it, it has a motor in it. Um, but this, this prototype bike kind of takes a lot of themes of really ridiculous over the top. Um, what's it called? I need, a, I need to get a picture up. Um, just look up, uh, motorcycle news, Ducati super mono. Um, or maybe new super mono will give it for you. Have you found it yet? It's white. Um, here, oh, I'll just turn yeah. my screen in. Have you see it? The the black and white stormtrooper looking thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So you see what I mean? It's taking that that thing that a lot of ridiculous um, prototype bikes do with the frame that goes across the top, right? Like the yeah. subframe is part of the whole frame. There's really no subframe. It's just all kind of one solid frame across the top. Well, it's and a separate piece here, but yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. In terms right. of lines. I mean, there are some things about this that are just ridiculous prototype. Like, it doesn't have handlebars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, it looks like a functioning, a functioning race bike, doesn't it? And it definitely has a Ducati look to it, I think. It's got winglets, which is cool. And supposedly they've they've got a little motor um that that they have that works that could go into this. And supposedly they're planning on building a track worthy testable model next year. Mm-hmm. And I wonder with with um i don't know like 
Moto three needing an update? Like I don't like why would Ducati be working with Pierre Turbulanche again this way? And why would they be showcasing a weird kooky bike like this if they didn't have some sort of premonition on a, a Moto three change? Because Moto three is really the the only kind of super mono racing we have left, right? Uh yeah, in international road racing, yeah, I think it is. I mean, is this sort of a, a a tiny little glimpse into a potential Moto three update? Uh not with a frame like this. This is straight up retarded in terms of race tech and adjustability and tunability. Oh, I'm uh, sure this but... is a total concept bike, but why would Ducati be, be so interested? In a little super mono like this. Well, uh, okay. First of all, I understand where you're going with this and the dream, what you're fantasizing about. But let's be real. Providing uh, engines for Moto3 would literally be like 5% of Ducati's entire yearly factory output. Well, no, (laughs) this this doesn't... They have a model, a, a motor that they can put into this, but... They're so, they sort of seem more focused on the frame and everything. Are they just sort of anticipating? This, no, this frame is lunacy. I mean, it's it's luxury. This is... Uh, supposedly has a crazy low weight. Um, this frame is high fashion. It's not... It is very high fashion. I'll give you that. Um, but I kind of love it. I uh, It, it kind of looks like something I'd love to have. And I normally hate... Like with a burning passion of a thousand suns, this type of thing, right? I am known to really dislike this type of thing. And this is one where I'm like, oh, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I I could see something like this working for me. Yeah, I mean, you said Stormtrooper. I, I think more Silo. Okay, I see that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like but, it. No, I, I I love the look of it. It, uh, but I mean, I mean, I would not love this as an actual product. I love this as a prototype. Look, as far as my suspicions and my predictions, we were talking about this when I make predictions. I, I sort of work on the level of a bookie setting the the odds and the spread, right? You're yeah. not looking to set the spread that's or or the odds that are the most realistic. You're looking to set the odds that will get the most people to gamble, right? So when I make predictions or I try to think about what a certain prototype or a model or an announcement means, I'm not looking for what's the truth. I'm looking for what's potentially the most fun story here, <laughs> right? Why? I mean, a lot of people have finally like it's it's slowly, uh, well, as we said early in the season, like it's slowly entering the con. Like I have finally been vindicated on my opinion on Moto Three, and I think it's going. It it will slowly happen. I mean, contracts have to run out and new contracts have to be signed. But I think people are are getting there. Where 
The class well, here, little... let's just go straight into our Mizano coverage. So if you haven't yeah. seen Mizano yet, because this episode, well, Mizano happened today. I'll, I might wait till Tuesday or Wednesday to drop this, give the other episode a full week out there. I don't know, I might drop it tomorrow. We'll see what happens. But um, Well, they don't care because they're hearing this for the first time. It's recorded, Peter. This is how well, I know. I'm just saying, if you haven't seen Mizano yet, this is the time to pause and just watch it because it's freaking awesome. Uh, big racing. drama in all classes. I loved it. And, I mean, just top-notch racing, just so many developments. So, whew, last time we were talking about GP, we said that whoever had momentum going into Austin was going to keep that momentum through these last few rounds. And I know some of the people that had momentum crashed today. I'm sorry. I'm just going to let's just put a break in real quick because I am dying. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back with Mizano in just a moment. Which is which button? Okay, so now we really are going to talk about Mizano. So, Moto3. So, coming out of Austin, we had uh, Dennis Foggia win, right? I think so. And, yeah, yeah. And then he was the only serious title contender for... um, Pedro Acosta. No, he had G- Guevara win. Oh, Guevara won. Okay. Mm. Fodger came second, but he okay. closed the gap a lot. There we go. He closed the gap a lot. So he's the only serious contender. And it was down to, what, 36 points-ish? Something like that? Uh, no, it's still a little bit further than that. But it, 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 was, uh, it was pretty... Sure, where are we at now? Maybe today it ended at 36 points between them. Uh, it is currently 31 points. So yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. So in any case, uh, Foggia won today, which should come as no shock to people. (coughs) Um, but what did happen is we had, uh, Pedro crash out pretty hard. No, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, of Raul. Sorry. Yeah. Um, sorry, but we had the gap close up some more. No, yeah, Moto Three was was an interesting race. It was it's actually a fairly calm race for the most part, but yes. it was very interesting for title implications and the gap closing again. Right. Well, it, it looked like the gap was closing really, really quickly because um, because of the fact that Acosta was so far back in the pack for so long. He did, like, in the last three turns, pull off a double overtake to limit the point loss. But again, he's still kind of waning. And it only will, at this point, take a crash or another really bad result to bring it down to a final... to bring it to the last race of the season. Yeah, I think, yeah. And um, this is exactly what we said was going to happen. We were like, you know, Pedro is going to probably just barely hang on to this with his fingernails, but keep losing points 
until the last race and just barely come out with it, but come out with it. Yeah. And that seems to be what's going to happen. That uh, the This race today was more proof of that. But, man, Foggia turning it on strong at the end here, you know, making some waves, making it just interesting to the end. And I, I loved this race because Foggia started from, like, 17th or something. He was far back for a long time. I think he started in 17th and just worked his way up through the pack and it was just one of those rides of the season. And Acosta started in fifth, was that right? And then fell back pretty far. And then realized he needed to turn it on. And at a certain point got passed by Foggia. And then really had to get it in gear. And they're both kind of riding on the edge. And, you know... One of them was something to lose, one without something to lose. Cause, but for the first 10 laps, we were just looking at uh, Acosta hanging out in fifth place, sixth place, just going like, ah, he's keeping his powder dry. It's going to be yeah. fine. But Fodger started uh, the race in 14th. 14th. Okay. I think he fell back to 17th at one point then. I feel like I remember that. But yeah, he put on one hell of a ride, just tur- like lap five or something, just went, all right, fuck it. Let's go and kept it together. Yeah, I've noticed that like over the last three seasons, there's really been a trend of if you start the season strong, you will not end the season strong. Like right. it, it's everybody had like the, for three years now, like across every class, if you start strong, you will not end strong. If you start weak, you may you may end the season strong. But there's nobody who has said any kind of consistency like an alien would yes we're, we are we are firmly out of the alien era oh well out oh well of, out of road racing it's just not there anymore mm-hmm. i i totally agree so this was a really satisfying podium we had um we had kind of a wild card that was gonna make the podium and then didn't work out and then did bender f- I can't remember. Did Bender... He got third or fourth. He was right there at the end. Bender quietly putting in the really great race, but just fourth. so much drama happening around him. Uh, yeah, Bender came fourth, uh, and Nepa came fifth. And, like, Nepa was fighting for his first podium. Right. And then Acosta, like, pulled it off on, like, the... Is the last couple corners. Yeah, yeah, he finally got a podium spot. Well, he pulled it off with a double overtake. Yeah, yeah, around because I think going into the last sector, we had Bender in third, and then Nepa came past him, and then Acosta came past them both, or something like that. Or Nepa came fifth after, uh, yeah, I think Bender got yeah, Nepa came fifth, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Nepa was strong there for a moment, and who was second? Uh, it was, um, mm, tell me, um, your favorite, um, uh, What's the word? I've lost the word. Your uh, your your most uh, ambiguously ethnic writer, Jamla Masia. Oh right, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the, the most the most MotoGP name ever. The most international name of all time. I love Jama Masses. Yeah, uh, yeah, like a, like a bunch of race winner race winners all up at the front, and then this like total wild card in in podium contention mix. It was a really satisfying podium. There's kind of something for everyone there. You know, if you're a Pedro Costa fan, we got Pedro up there. If you like a tight championship, we had. You know, Foggia, the bit, the main contender, actually take the win. If you like, you know, little little side characters like Darren Binder and whatever, and Masia, we got them in there too. There's there's really something for everyone. So I was I I, I was thoroughly entertained by this race. Um, Moto Two was very dramatic. With what a yeah, Moto Two was wow. Oh, well, especially coming into it, knowing that like the points were so close, but that it was, you know, it seemed inevitable that, that Raul Fernandez would catch up and overtake, Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Lowe's, not Lowe's, um, no, in, in the championship would overtake. Oh, Remy Gardner. Remy Gardner. And we saw that play out. We we it, everything was on course. Our prediction was he would carry his momentum from Austin and be a, a finish ahead of Gardner in this race. We watched the and, and we that watched momentum the live championship standings, yeah. and we watched the the lead shrink and shrink and shrink, and then we saw you know tech. We saw you know the live championships. We saw Raúl Fernandez up, and then in a moment. It was gone. And that was a vicious crash. It was a brutal crash. And he's walked away. Like, oh, but that was one of the hardest crashes I've seen. And the bike just disintegrated. Just, I was, someone shot the front half of that bike with a destructo ray. I was surprised that they, that he just went straight back to the, went straight back to the pits and they didn't take him to the infirmary for a concussion protocol or anything. Yeah. Because he tumbled completely sideways and bounced off his head. Mm-hmm. Like, that right... Like, if you, anyone... If any... I, I feel like if any doctor, like, watched that footage, they'd be like, well, that's clearly a concussion. Yeah. That... Uh, <laughs> I would have been like, that's not survivable, but <laughs> you know, uh, the airbags and everything. There you go. Um, he, I think he really hurt his wrist. I saw him grabbing for his wrist and he took that glove off his left hand. I think he really hurt his wrist. And if it comes out in the next couple days that he's had a wrist injury, it could just be over. That's it might be over. But if it's not, I I still see him overcoming that eight point lead from Remy. Oh no, it no, was lot, eight point. Now it's like sixteen again. Or well, something. it's a lot. Well, yeah, it's more now because he crashed out. <laughs> he was he was in the lead at one point, but it's, he was in the lead by three points. But Remy still only finished in like what, like seventh place or something. Yeah, Remy didn't finish strong again. Nobody. Who who starts strong and strong anymore? 
So well, and then Remy got that ride through penalty for that fucking harsh move on what's his face. Um, oh, I can't remember who he did it on, but I, I we're don't split know. on this. I, I think I, it was a dirty move. I've seen so much worse that has not been penalized. It, it feels uh, he he he. They were both going for the same piece of tarmac, and. Uh, the, and uh, uh, what's his face was already already had a line was already committed to the turn. Remy went into that line, but n- not like he went like ninety percent into that line. So basically, his back wheel was a couple inches from um, what's his face's front wheel, and then he hit the throttle and threw the back end of his bike out. Like he knew <sighs> where he was. He was steering with the back wheel. He was throwing it in there. And not only was he in front uh, of him, not only was he in front, he was... No, he came up in on the inside. He was behind and then overtook someone else's line. Well, yes, that's called racing. No, 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 no. no, Not in this situation. He didn't pull in front. Like, he just went, someone else had a line, and then he just knocked him out of the way for it. That's You're not allowed to do that. He was not only was he in front, not only was he ahead of the rider, I he was ahead enough to be in the rider's field of vision. And at that, I don't point, think so. His front wheel. Was Remember a- the whole issue where uh, Lorenzo took out like four people or three people, and or whatever? well, yeah, because he came straight back to the line without looking, like completely blind it's a weird situation i don't think you can see over your right shoulder in that situation i've seen much more aggressive moves that didn't warrant a penalty i don't think this is i didn't think this did i thought it was a racing well, incident and it, it turned out to be almost completely irrelevant because he, uh he got that penalty and it was half a lap later that Raul crashed out yeah so, so he, he did also his... didn't lose a place because he had a big enough gap. No, he did. Bezeki took over him. Oh, did he? Yeah. I, no, I thought that and was then earlier someone in the else race. passed him again. I, I felt like he had a big enough gap that he didn't lose a place when he did it, but maybe not. I think he did. I think Bezeki was behind him, and it got Bezeki right up on his ass, and then Bezeki passed him a lap later. Oh, well, yeah, but he he didn't lose a position during the long lap. No, no, no. But he he did lose it. Uh. Right, so it's still a championship of like 17 or 18 points. It's something that Raul could, like with two victories could and, and some, you know, eighth place finishes from Remy, he could, I mean, one DNF from Remy in the last two races. A DNF in a first place uh, flips the championship. It's still there. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, in football terms, it's still a single possession. Like, right, I, I still if if Raul if Raul's wrist is okay, I still like Raul for this championship. He's just on his game. Is a lot. I still like him for the championship. He's on his game, and yeah, but Remy just needs to put in like two top tens. Essentially, I mean, it's maybe- not a lot to ask. Again, yeah. again, it's it's two races. It's it's it could come close, but 
It's a lot. I mean, I still want Remy to, to win. I still want Remy to win. Remy has worked really hard to get the you know into this position in a championship. I would like for Remy to win and finish and actually just finish one of the two races with ahead. a win. Well, fin- at least just finish one of the two races ahead of Raul. You'd like him to cinch it rather than run out the clock. Yeah, I agree. That would be nice. It's That's always nice to win to with a win, right? Yeah. Well, he doesn't even, he doesn't even have to win the race. He just has to finish ahead of Raul with both riders finishing the race. That or a win. Yeah. Like he he's got to come ahead of Raul without Ra- Raul crashing out. Right. Yeah, and make the gap larger than twenty five, so yeah. it can't be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that would be nice, but um, I, I, I don't, it's weird. It's a weird bet, but I still like Raul for this. I, I, I don't know why. I've just got that feeling. I mean, I, I think long. I think if there were like three more races or four more races, I'd agree with you. But eight, the math is hard to argue with. I know, but I, I, I just see it because I, I think, I think. As bad as Raul's crash was, I think at this point in the season, Remy's more likely to make a mistake. We'll see. Okay, so uh, you you're talking I, you're talking down like your favorite rider, like it's Alec, like it's Mark Marquez. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like you're justifying how Raul can win over your favorite Moto Two rider. Like you were trying to convince me how uh, Rossi could beat Marquez in like 2015. <laughs> I know, but the, it's <laughs> it's such a weird conversation. It doesn't matter now. what's more accurate, what's more fun. Okay, uh, so GP GP. Um, we've got, uh, if, um, what, what, when was, uh, so, okay. Quattararo got the championship, got the, cleared it up. MotoGP championship is done. It's Quattararo's. And, oh, so first of all, when was, when was the last Yamaha championship? Did it we was, look this up? Oh, no. It was Lorenzo in 2014? 2015? I, th- I want to say 2015. Let me Google this. I think it was the 2014. Yeah, no. It's 2014 or 2015. It was the year Marquez employed. 2015, Lorenzo won. Yeah. So 2015 was the year. Lorenzo. It's been six years. Yeah. I think well, who won in sixteen was Marquez. Yeah, so yeah, it's it hasn't been since twenty fifteen that the Yamaha has sucked since twenty fifteen till now. Well, no, it was good last year, but it it hasn't really be, you know it hasn't been the bike for that long, which is quite a while for for Yamaha to sort of be dormant on the scene. Yeah, it's it's been shitty enough for for Suzuki to sneak in there. Well, I mean, the Suzuki's become a legit great bike, uh, but yeah. would you, I mean, it's still there's just so much noise in the Suzuki results, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm being a little bit snide there, but yeah, right. Um, so yeah, not since 2015, and it was all big time downhill after that for Yamaha. It was a straight up implosion, just ridiculous, and now we've got Yamaha back on top. 
Uh, I mean, they're not going to win the Constructors' Championship. That's got to be Ducati, right? It has to be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Ducati, well, Yamaha was completely in the doldrums until um, uh, bah, 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 their new satellite team. Uh, bah, 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 oh, Patronus. Patronus uh, yeah, Sprinter, yeah. yeah. Until, until uh, Patronus came along... And just like completely showed up the factory team. Yeah, like, here's what? a bunch of money to make your shitty bike good, guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Until that happened, like it just seemed like is is can can Yamaha make motorcycles anymore? Like, are, do they know what they're doing? Right. It, it was it was rough. Yeah, I mean, all the drama with Vinales, with Rossi off his game. It was like, is this a bike? Is this a Marquez effect? Did Yamaha design a bike only Rossi yeah. could ride, and then Rossi doesn't got the juice anymore? Because I don't think anybody, even for people who followed the seasons, I don't know if many people remember, like, Vinales was the chosen one. He yeah. was supposed to restore balance to the force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rossi was supposed to take him under his wing and everything was going to be great again. And he didn't even have the decency to turn to the dark side. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I do think that uh, Maverick Vinales has the potential to make everybody as uncomfortable as Lorenzo did with just weird haircuts and facial hair configurations and super awkward um conferences like press 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 conferences everything i he needs to embrace being the weirdo like lorenzo was it's a shame that he's so similar to lorenzo because what we really need and that we're sorely missing from MotoGP right now is another ianone yeah yeah Well, I don't know. Uh, Quattararo is kind of like partially an Iannone. Yeah. Like he's he's all about those. He's got that sunglasses sponsorship and he's all about having his leathers open all the way down to his dick. Uh, no shirt on. Under no his shirt. Own. Yeah. He does the cow crutch low, no shirt thing. And okay, I, and the wardrobe malfunction and. Okay, here's something I need to bring up, and we need to just confront. And it's an uncomfortable topic, but... Okay. The the championship celebration. Apparently, just having, like, a few fireworks and, like, a DJ is apparently, like, a championship celebration... Is Yamaha just, like, stuck in, like, 2005 Ibiza party culture? Oh, I think Quadraro might be. But, yeah. (laughs) It was, like, the... It was the most... It was the worst, like, most Euro-trash celebration I have ever seen in my life. Well, it was also weird because they had some on-screen CG, right? They had a giant... Um, like devil, like El Diablo robot that was dancing next to him on, on the on the screen, and they were doing a bunch of uh, computer like light 
DJ effects on the on the on the walls over the sponsorship spots, oddly, which I wonder who got angry about that or cleared that. Um because uh, that's got to be valuable advertising space on that wall, right? Like, you know, Nolan or someone paid a lot of money to have that there, especially during the shot of someone winning the championship. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was interesting. But, you know, I would have given it to them if they had gone, if they had like, if Quadraro knew what the camera angle was going to be and they had set it up so he was choreographed or something with the robot and they'd gone like full disco light. So it looked like the entire Mazzano circuit was an Ibiza club or something like that. And everyone could look on the monitors and see that they're in this, you know, virtual nightclub on TV or something. If they'd gone that far with it, I'm on board, but they didn't. I mean, if you're going to play like that kind of music and like have a DJ and like, that's your whole thing. You need to go like full ridiculous and like yeah, get a bunch of girls dressed up like they're going to the club to rush the field and and all of that, or just like just do you need not- a bunch of glow in the dark cocktail drinks, or just go like full Euro trash and just like do nothing and just play like Venga Boys or something. Venga Boys, yes. Or like, or during the national anthem, play Venga Boys instead. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to a party. We're going to a beef. Which I'm pretty sure is like, you know, the national anthem for Germany. But anyway, um, (laughs) pass me another beer. Um, so yeah, so Quattararo did not have that impressive a showing in this race. He got like sixth or something. Yeah, he only won because Bagnaia crashed out. In another brutal crash. Yeah. There was another really brutal crash. And it was like out of nowhere too. He was just going along straight. He was on the edge of the track and he just lost it. And... Well, this is what makes this whole race so ridiculous, is the biggest story was that uh, Quattararo won the race. Bagnaia was kind of, you know, Bagnaia was like 40-something points behind, but like, yeah. math, but this was the race where technically, mathematically, like, you know, there is like a 4 or 3% chance of Bagnaia being able to pull this out and like come back and win the race. But Yeah, but it was still fun that it was alive. Yeah. But this this was the race where it was mathematically possible for Quattararo to clinch the victory. And that's what happened. But but he was getting the gap down. He was going to bring the gap down another 15 points or something. He was doing really well. Yeah, it was really closing the gap. But so Bagnaia crashes out, and like Bagnaia's crash was a big story. Quateraro winning was the biggest story, and then like Marquez winning another race was like third place in terms of like storylines in this. And then uh, uh, Bezeki gets a podium. And it's like, sorry, this is like no, so, not Bezeki. Or, um, on the Aventia again. Um, b- uh, Bastianini. 
oh, Bastianini. Bastianini gets a podium. It's just like... Bezecchi's still a moto, too. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bastianini gets a podium, and it's like, uh, sorry. Like, I know this is, like, a really big deal for you, but there's, like, there are so many storylines, like, nobody gives a fuck that you just pulled off an insane results on a satellite the bike. worst bike on the grid yeah <laughs> clearly the worst bike on the grid you moved mountains to make this happen but nobody cares because of all these other shiny things happening over here well again like in all three of these races the podium was so satisfying in moto 2 we had a sam lowe's win so you get a bunch of british fans happy and you know also i'm we never had- bummed to see sam lowe's win i mean he's kind of an old goat but like it's fun to see him win because he he fades so fat like so also, much at let's the keep end. in mind we also had our first honda one two in like six years yeah yeah since pedrosa left our first honda one two since the year before pedrosa left but yeah, yeah 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 um yeah so so uh what um um uh, other uh uh, uh polis put it in at like yeah, with just nobody paying attention the entire race. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, hang on, there's another Honda here. <laughs> We're not used to that. It's just, uh, you know, it's like sometimes drivers won't see a motorcyclist in front of them because they're just not looking for a motorcycle in the intersection. We just weren't looking for pole to be there. <laughs> sometimes you just don't see a Repsol Honda, a second Repsol <laughs> Honda on the podium. <laughs> it's a situational blindness yeah <laughs> um right so yeah marquez gets a win uh pole uh, sort like shows up for once um ba- uh, uh, uh bastianini uh on on third place uh, then we've got the championship winner barely getting the top 10 we <laughs> we've got uh um the the serious contender tra- uh, crashing out dramatically. I mean, there's just kind of something for everyone again. Yeah, I so satisfying, so dramatic, and well, every race like just completely changed storylines every five laps. Yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, the title the title contender's way behind. Whoa, the title contender is fastest on track by far. You know, we're like. Oh my gosh, the 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 title contender's been leading the race dominantly and then well, crashes out of nowhere. Just all over the place these stories. This is what end of season GP should be, right? Yeah. And we've still got two open championships with two rounds left, right? This isn't like, was it 2018 where all the championships were done with like four races to go? It was something like that, and it was like snooze fest. Um, I think it was the year that we had the eclipse. Was that 2018? That sounds right. I want to say that like they all just all the championships just ended super early that year, and it was kind of a bummer. It was like, oh well, I mean, like you know, sec- waiting for second place is interesting. Like, is it? I mean, it's if it's all you got, it's okay. But we well, love you're, a championship. You're going into winter, and you're going to have nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I guess in the middle, if you're on good terms with your family, you've got Christmas. Right. Besides that, <laughs> you know, it's like, what else do you have to look forward to? You got to rationalize this. Some you got to convince yourself that there's something here. Exactly. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, do, do we want to update our predictions or just, or just stick to them? I mean, Quattararo, we, we thought he was going to hold on to it and we thought he was most likely to do it. And he did. And he really was able to just lean on his points advantage and yeah, Bagnaya crashed. There you go. I think, I think, yeah, well, obviously we can't change that now because for one, we were right and it's been proven now. Like it's it's, right. it's locked down. Um, for uh, for Moto three, I actually think that Acosta did better than I expected him to to hold on to the lead, and I I think yeah. That's we, well, in our prediction was Acosta will run out the clock. Yeah, and I think he's going to keep losing his lead, but he's going to still run out the clock. And I think he did better than he had to. And it's still like technically. He lost points in terms of the lead, but in terms of the number of races left and the number of points that he lost, he's actually doing better because right. the number of points per race that uh, Foggia has to pick up is now higher because he didn't get enough points this week. Right. So I, I think he's doing well, and I'm going to stick to that prediction. And then I'm I'm gonna f- I'm not confident in this, but I'm going to flip. I don't think Raul's going to catch up. I think that there's... Well, can we agree on this, that Raul will still probably have better finishes yes. than Gardner? He's he's going to keep his momentum, even if it's not enough momentum. I would agree with that. Uh, well, unless he unless he implodes and he just goes for it and... And for me, this is contingent on the wrist. It really looked to me like he fucked it up. I guess we haven't actually checked any news since we watched yeah, the since this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, yeah, un- unless he just goes like, unless he totally implodes going for it and crashes out again, I think he will finish better than Remy Gardner for the last two races. Mm. Uh, but I don't think he'll close the gap. It's really tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm like 60-40, 70-30 on this. I don't... Yeah. I'm not confident in anything at this point in Moto 2. Yeah, but it's looking like for once we made decent predictions. I mean, albeit very close to the end of the season, but, you know, we've, we didn't just bet with the favorites, right? Yeah. And, and especially the way that, you know, we say Quadraro's got the biggest lead, Pedro Casso run out the clock. I mean, that's, that's coming true, so... All right. Uh, the last thing we have to talk about is this was uh, Rossi's last race in Italy. Yeah. I, just just worth mentioning. Um, I mean, we're. I think we got to do some sort of thing for Rossi at the end of this season, right? We got to make. We got to have a, an episode about that. Like not entirely, but we got to go pretty Rossi heavy in a, in a few weeks here. But. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Rossi obviously did not have an amazing finish, but he didn't crash, right? He brought it home, and that's all he had to do to make everyone happy, right? Um, uh, we got um, Bastianini and uh, and Bezecchi bringing it home in uh, in decent fashion, and those are kind of, I mean, you know, and Bagnaya. Uh, leading the races, I mean, his his legacy as uh, as a VR forty six 
you know, team owner is already starting to take root and he doesn't even have the GP VR 46 team put together yet. So that's just worth mentioning. Um, after that, I think it's time to wrap this episode up. Um, let's see here. We got another Patreon member. Let's, let's, uh, make a big deal about that before we get out of here. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember their name, but we'll mention you at the beginning of the next episode. Um, I haven't got the mugs up on uh, the Patreon yet, but I think, uh, by next week, you should be able to sign up for the Patreon and get a mug if you sign up at the $15 level, I think. Oh, are you talking about Colin? Uh, was it Colin? I can't remember. I really don't remember the name. I sent them a message. Okay. This is not helpful. Uh, also, a hero using Proton Mail. Ooh. Like, what a dude. No, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, like, yeah. Um, uh, bah, 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 bah. Are well, you going through emails right now? Yeah, we do have some emails to go through, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's just tack that on to the end here. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, We've done so, that for weeks. So technically, okay, so we did have Brian email us a while ago, uh, sharing the uh, the full page printout of uh, the full page image of uh, you on the scooter in the AMA magazine, which was oh, trust me, a lot of people shared that with <laughs> me. A lot of people did, Brian. <laughs> That's my finger pointing at his dick. <laughs> oh, Phil. oh that, that, that was Phil, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scooter Dan is the one behind me. Scooter Dan is like way back. He's like, I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said, I took a picture and I, I circled Scooter uh, Dan and sent it to him. I was like, you made the magazine too. <laughs> And then literally, uh, my the Bruce only- called it. Bruce said, "This is my um, uh, my uh, Paris Hilton moment." <laughs> By the way, in the uh, in that picture, the only part of me that you can see is literally my hand holding the break in to make yeah. sure that the bike doesn't <laughs> launch. Because you have just like you just literally just uh, pulled the throttle all the way in and the bike juddered like three or four times and like two people jumped on the front and it's just like i just grabbed the brake on (laughs) around the outside yeah (laughs) so you can see you can see like four fingers on my hand and that's that's all i am in this in this photo (laughs) yeah (laughs) also you were really drunk and like, you don't say <laughs> and you stalled it and i was i had to actually like i actually had to put it back into neutral oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this has been covered yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that's like yeah i think it was dan it lived was like all right just hold yeah hold it hold the yeah. Car, yeah. Oh, okay we're good we're good okay and then i i can't remember if i signaled to dan to like put it back into like second gear or something <laughs> i think but, i managed to handle the 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 gear selecting just fine but yeah you definitely had to help me with the throttle like getting it get back into gear and getting the wheel spinning again but then was, i just held it open again and just gave a bunch of middle fingers yeah. and down like normally and normally waved my dick around in most situations like i'm the train wreck and you're semi responsible 
And then it became you were the train wreck and I had to be the enabler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, All let's, right. let's get through these emails. Okay, so what was the next one was... So Jay sent us an email. I don't know if he watched this, but it was... Uh, he sent us... Um, I've seen none of these. I need to, I, I, with work and all my inboxes changing and everything, I, I've not seen any emails for like a month. So, uh, so Jay sent us the, well, the important thing is that Jay sent us a video link, a YouTube link to uh, the MCN's, MCN's best bikes of 2021 and wanted to know what we thought. Well, what's the list? It was a YouTube video. I'll uh, watch that and we'll do it next week then. All right. Okay. I mean, we could just pause this and I watch it real quick. I think we should. Okay, let's do that. Let's give have, it a pause and we'll be back in just a second. Okay, I watched it. Um, yeah, I think I share some strong opinions with these wigs. Uh, what was the, the... So the first one, they said best cruiser. The BMW R1800 or R18. Okay, you've immediately destroyed all of your credibility. Right there. Yeah. I, well, the first they said, like, it's great because as Harleys get more refined, this thing is way more classic and and basic and rougher and gives you more input. And then they go on to say, but it also feels like a really smooth modern bike at the same time. Which Pick is a description. Yeah. yeah. Like, go this is okay, you know what? This is what uh this is what um all of our more native native British residents would call waffling. Yes. This is pure waffling. I didn't script what I was going to say, and someone's put a camera on me. And what? It, <laughs> I, I don't think this video was produced, was recorded in more than twice the actual runtime of the video itself. Mm -hmm. I think they spent equal yeah. time. Hey, Ted, come over, stand by your bike. We're going to do it now. But, yeah. That's well, it. yes, except for less of a country accent. Well, I know, <laughs> but it just. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it it well, it's super lazy, but it also like reveals like the mentality in the picks as well, because yeah. like, okay, you've got what two BMWs and two Ducatis. It's like okay. In terms of like people who are actually going to own these bikes, are these the best bikes for the category? I want like I want to see every I want to see a YouTube video of every moto journalist doing a uh, like adjusting valves and doing at least at the bare minimum doing an oil change on one of these bikes. Like I I want you to do it. I want a complete uncut video and I want you to like not be swearing and and well you even if you are just like completely losing your fucking mind on it. I want I want the evidence there to to know that like you actually understand what it's like to live with a bike like this. Yeah. Without just sending it to the shop. Because every moto journalist gets to ride these bikes for free without having to deal with ownership 
without having to pay insurance on them, without having to deal with the yeah, day-to-day. They don't deal with the full reality of the bike. Right. You know, and especially if you're a journalist and you don't have to, you know, transport anything as part of your job, you know, more than you need in a a rucksack, you know, besides transporting a laptop to work and back. Like what what is your real world experience on this bike? What's your real world ownership experience like? Because all of these picks are silly. Well, not entirely silly, but I mean, they're, they're best picks, especially for the cruiser category, especially for um, the uh, the best all around. It, it's like, well, what would our 2021 best cruiser be? Because I think I know, and I think it's just because you can get them so cheap. It's what dad got. I think a used or, or sub 1000 trade-in model Moto Guzzi California. Yeah. I think it has all the character that the R18 is supposed to have at potentially a third of the price tag with all of the cool factor, all of the bling, all of the foreign bike street cred, right? You, you're still rocking a V-twin. I go, I go Guzzi California, although I don't know if they're still making it, but if they are, then absolutely. But otherwise, I'd go with a, a Honda F6B. Well, they don't make an F6B. Or the, um, I mean, in, you know what I mean. The, the the Goldwing Standard? Yeah, the Goldwing Standard without the top case. Right, just the regular Goldwing, not the Goldwing Tour. Yeah. For a cruiser, bagger sort of thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, just the standard Goldwing is probably still the best one. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I would have made that the best tour, even if it's not the Goldwing Tour. I would say just for like a cruiser, I'd still put the Guzzi California above it just for the insane value. And it really wasn't until th- this year, late last year, you know, last year, this year, that the prices just went rock bottom on them. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that may have like gone for R18 or Harley Davidson cool points, but not for the price. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for the price, I mean, it's just, and all the street cred, it's untouchable that way. So there we go. Well, even um, then, I, 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 I still contest. I don't think the R18 is cool. I don't think it hits For the mark. some people it is. But anyway, well, there, there's like a list of shit here we got to run through real quick. So they said best A2 bike. We need to explain to some people what an A2 bike is real quick, which is essentially there's tiered licenses. Just you can basically say like above or below like a six for us it would be like the six fifty class but in the UK but it's it's a horsepower rating to weight ratio sort of thing for the UK. It's it's the it's, it's the, a it's, there's a formula that is actually somewhat reasonable in terms of restricting licenses based right. on experience. But this is this is the best bike for an A2 license. And they picked the Honda uh, CB500X, which is, I, I would not disagree with. It's a great bike. My problem with this is why do people seem to love the CB500X, but somehow hate the shit out of the NC750X? It's hypocrisy. It, it it's dumb. I 
so anyway, so they claim to love this bike, but I just don't think that there's a whole lot in this category. So they just went with this again. And it's a category that moto journalists like notoriously hate, dislike, want to avoid. It's the category they put their least liked member of staff on. Yeah. So it's kind of a whole bullshit category to begin with. Well, it is well, it's not a bullshit category, but they treated it like a bullshit category. Okay. Uh, for for a worldwide standard or non A2 like kind of country license standard, I would say the bike for this category is the Ninja 650. The new one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's keep moving through. Then what did they say? Uh, they liked the, oh, the best electric bike, the live wire. Uh, I'm making a jack off motion. The, arguably not. Uh, there are at least five different electric, electric bikes that beat this out in like every category. Also, this is the, this is fucking retarded because, Oh, you're just going to put all electrics into one category. There are electric scooters. There are two-wheel drive electric bikes like the Ubco that are like sub-50cc equivalent class. There are like literally like motorcycle, uh, like, uh, land, like land speed record classes like the um like the lightning there's there's everything in the electric category there's dirt bike there's literally an equivalent to virtually everything except except for cruisers yeah yeah so like you're just gonna have your best electric bike for a category like that's makes no sense whatsoever and then you picked the live wire. Yeah, uh, arguably, I mean, you, the, you have no, no, like arguably zero with the um, uh, the SRFR uh, is is the one. The SRF or the SRS? I go with the SRS. I like. I really like the SRS. Yeah, the fared one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's better than this all day, every day. It's better on range. It's better on horsepower and performance. It's better on price. It's better on support. It's better on everything. Go fuck yourself, MCN. All right, next. Best tourer, the BMW RT. It's a good tourer, but it's not better than other tourers BMW has, like the K1600 or the Goldwing tourer. It's definitely not better than that. Yeah, yeah it's not not only is it not the best tour, it's not even BMW's best tour. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a good bike. I'm not pissed that they chose it, but the Goldwing Tour is clearly as always the Goldwing has always outclassed everything in this category, and it still does. It it kind of feels like they like they did all of their homework in the period before uh their assignment was due mm-hmm. As, uh, and again like well i understand there's kind of a big formulaic thing and honestly everyone's best of the year categories 
are kind of always bullshit. Your best in category, your favorite bike for one particular thing or another is always this this moving target. And you're going to pull it all together. But like, I agree with virtually none of these decisions. Yeah, I I I don't, I don't yeah. get it. At well, all. Uh, the next one, um, the 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 best. It's a weird category. Best sub one thousand cc naked. It doesn't. It's a weird category, but whatever. Uh, let's just say best naked bike. They chose the Ducati Monster. I can't disagree with this. That's fine. That I mean, I don't think I would have chosen it, but there's nothing about that decision to upset me. But then they go on to explain why it's the best, and then they explain how it's essentially exactly a super sport, but naked, because that's exactly what a monster is for like two minutes straight. The, yeah, it's, it's best because it is what it is. I don't know. Which that's, is entirely a consequence of what the super sport is. It's best because it's Ducati cool at a good Could price Could you tell tag. me why you like this bike? Yeah. Perhaps yeah. since it's your fav your best bike of this category for the year. Um so the next one I have a little bit of a problem with. They it was another Ducati. They said best all-rounder the Multistrada V4. I can't argue that the Multistrada V4 isn't a good all-rounder, but I argue it may not be the best all-rounder for that freaking price tag. Yeah. I feel like you could just insert almost any adventure bike in here and do a lot better value. And it just sort of depends on the person, what flavor they're going to prefer. Yeah. I, again, I, mean, I can't say that every decision they've made is wrong, although a lot of them are. Well, this one is, this decision is based on the fact that they were given the bike for free. Yeah, because the guy in the video is like, "This is my loaner bike for the year." Like, like, okay, okay, of dude, course you love it. Yeah, it was a free premium bike. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it's all just. I mean, I could have picked a lot of bikes that would would have been superior to the Norge. You know, in in twenty eighteen, but. Could I pick a better bike with as much character for $4,000? Like, completely perfectly running in 2018? No. Why do we love the Norge so much? Because it has all these wonderful characteristics to it. But, like, none of these people, not none of these, none of these judgments are based on anything that's actually real world it it's it's so disconnected well speaking of disconnected the next category i argue is just not a category so this next category is best super naked which i guess is defined as a naked bike that's over a thousand cc's which there's not first of all not very many of second it's basically just a prilia i've never heard <laughs> anyone saying yeah i'm really into super nakeds 
Like I mean, I've never someone said, you know, I feel like I want a super naked bike, but I'm in between like these two or three. Like, I've never heard this argument. I've never heard anyone say this. I've never heard anyone write this. I've never heard someone say, oh, well, do you think you might be in like a, like looking for a super naked? I've never heard someone suggest it to anyone else. I argue it's not a category. There's not enough bikes that fulfill it. And it's not a popular enough thing that it's, that it, that it is an entire category unto itself. And then on top of that, the bike that they picked isn't naked. It's half fared. Yeah. It's. So they picked the Aprilia Tuono. Which is like a semi-fared V4 whatever bike. It's uh, it's how are, how is there a category in this review for a super naked, but there isn't for a 650 class type bike. There's not a 600 sport bike category or a best one liter bike category, and there isn't like a there isn't like a budget sport bike category or anything. There's like not that. an enduro category. There, yeah, the their 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 categories are dumb. Okay, um, so then what else have we got here? Um, then they picked the um, oh, what did they pick for best scooter? Um, oh, they picked the the Yamaha T Max. Yep, not as good as the Forza. I mean, it's fine, but that that's that's a yeah. Yeah, best retro was the just another triumph, and it's uh, uh. okay. We we spent a lot of time on this. Um, yeah, I I would put I would probably go best retro with the uh, the Indian Interceptor because again the value on it, you know, you're not looking for performance in a bike like this. Do you it, mean the Royal Enfield? What did I say? You said Indian. Oh, the Royal Enfield Interceptor. I mean, you're, you're half right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Royal Indian. Yeah. Um, and then I think, like, Best Adventure was the BMW or something. And then what was the best sports overall thing here? What was this? Um, there was one last super dumb one. Was it the... Oh, it was the 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 other Aprilia. It was the fully fared fully fared version of the Aprilia they already talked about. So they picked the same bike twice, basically with different handlebars and bodywork. Um, yeah, um, I'll tell you what. I'll give it this at least. Uh, this ends every best bike list is always going to suck unless it's ours. But that's why we do it every week, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but what I will say is it's better than than almost any other best or worst bike list out there. If you just Google best or worst bikes, you'll come up, you'll get a bunch of lists of motorcycles by car magazines and like men's fitness and a bunch of bullshit. And or like GQ. And it's almost always a list of like perfectly good or in some fact, in some, uh, in some uh, examples, perfectly desirable and collectible bikes. And they'll just come up with arbitrary reasons that they're not good because someone just had to throw an article together at the last minute because their editor was like, hey, we need a, a page filler article. Um, and listicle things get eyeballs for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do we want to do another email? Yeah, we got a few here. Ba-ba-ba. Where did I find the last one? 
If we're doing more ease bills, you got to throw me another beer if we have any left. Oh, we're out. Oh, we're cashed? All right, yeah. cool. Let's go. All right. Uh, and this is from Shane. And Shane says, hey, guys, love your pod. I started at episode one, and I have worked my way up to the 2018 AIM Expo. You split time with this motorcycle life. Love Bruce's storyteller-like format. Green with Envy. Throwing down with Renee Paquette and Misha Tate. Busted open radio. Okay, I'm lost. Uh, He says, okay, first, the negative. I'm writing this about two years behind real time. First, trikes are bikes, period. Slingshots, Vanderwaltz, and vehicles like that are fun as hell, but they are not. Spiders, Rikers, Goldwing trikes, Ultra Triglides, and Freewheelers are motorcycles, but you are correct that the freewheeler is in fact useless and pointless, but they aren't. Motor- but to say that they aren't motorcycles is flat discriminatory. Also, the long format is making it difficult to get caught up. So, if you're reading this on air, I might hear about it sometime next year. Now, because you because of you guys, I want a Ducati Indiana. My plan is to restore one to OEM. I know. Good luck with that and dress up. Like the biggest, sleaziest Italian douchebag possible, then go to a bike fat bike fest slash rally slash gathering just to see who figures it out. In uh in the future though, uh once I have a hint of disposable income, also. Good luck with that. Also, because of you two, I've discovered Moto America Juniors. Glotti and Scott put on an absolute show this year. I find it refreshing that American motorcycle podcast Yes, I realize you're British and all, but I'll forgive you. Maybe that focuses on motorcycles, not just Harley's. Keep it up. Hopefully, I'll get caught up in the, in the future. I well, I mean, yeah, he's not going to hear this for a while, but um, yeah, I, I thumbs up on plans to get a Ducati Indiana and restore it to <laughs> to new. Uh, I feel that wouldn't actually be that hard. That that besides the 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 valve adjustment, that's not which isn't all that hard. I mean, it's not super simple, but it is it is a little bit of a trick. This is like that's not RCR. a complicated motor at all. Yeah, I mean, it is like RCR levels of like niche fetishist restoration project if there's damaged bodywork that's gonna be a son of a bitch but it's a panta engine uh you can get parts for that you may have to wait for some shit in the mail you may be ordering some weird parts off of you know british ebay that you have to bring back and then have you know um you know, blasted and repainted and whatever, but I, that's a perfectly doable thing. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't find it besides waiting for a while on some parts that you might need in the mail. Shouldn't be any different than taking a junked sportster and returning it to new, honestly. Um, I don't know. Maybe the forks might be weird getting some like seal kits, but again, it's just parts. It's just extra time to wait for parts in the mail. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Cool. As far as the long format, I don't know. The episodes take as long as they take it. There's really, there's not much we can do about it. Yeah. We've act- every time we've tried to do a short, like 
we have done like our like 90 minute episodes in the past we've done we've done like 80 minute episodes in the past and every time we we come in and we start recording we're like look 90 minutes in and out it ends up being like two and a half hours every single right. time. Right. Well, speaking of which, let's 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 keep let's keep going through this. Okay, uh, we have uh, another email from ba, 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 from James, and James says, "Hey guys, great podcast. I've made it to episode one hundred and two, so I'm not up to date." Uh, I'll probably a lot of stuff, but I'm catching up. I currently ride a 2019 Kawasaki Z900 RS Cafe, and before that, a 1980 uh, Honda CX500 Custom, both of which seem to be on y'all's mixed review list, to put it nicely. I'm going to my first IMS show at the end of October in at Atlanta. Are there any tips y'all have for me? I'm going on a Sunday... Hopefully the lines won't be too bad for the demos. The wife wants to demo the side-by-sides. Thanks a lot, and I enjoy the podcast. I don't think we ever actually... I don't think we ever shit on the CX-500. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, we shit on the CM-400. Yes, 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 but, yes. Uh, CX, that's the, that's the, side, that's the, that's the best uh, Moto Guzzi, Moto Guzzi never made. yeah. That, that that's the that's the Honda with the the transverse V twin, but they also did the um, the the angled headers off it as well. Mm-hmm. And then that's uh, they made a uh, a silver wing out of the six fifty variant, and um, and then there's a CX five hundred and six hundred, or was it just the six hundred turbo? Yeah, no, the CX was the six hundred the one that they did the turbo on. Uh, six hundred or the six fifty? They did the turbo on, yeah. Maybe there was no six. I can't remember if it was a six hundred or a six fifty. No, that's a cool bike, and I. Now the problem with the CX five hundred is that people are trying to cafe them out. Right. That's the problem. Just embrace what it is. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Z nine hundred RS. I'm fine with the Z900 RS. I just think that the Z, the regular Z900 is going to look very dated very fast. That's my only... The engine's great. Uh, the seating position could be a little better. But, I mean, if it makes you happy, I have no qualms with a Z900 of any kind. And uh, bang for buck, you're getting a lot of bike there. The RS is expensive, but the fit and finish is really nice. There's nothing else styled you, um, quite like it. I think we both we both came out very positively on the Z900 RS, but I think you did go early on in the show. You did go back and forth a lot on the Z900. Well, as a value, it's unbeatable. I just the styling's just too much for me. But I also recognize that my opinion's not very valid on that. Yeah. Because people seem to love it. So this will probably come out too late for you to get any uh, useful information on this. Uh, the best thing you can do going to IMS... Well, uh, I guess you don't have credentials or even are trying to fake credentials. Um, but the one thing I would say is that you can kind of do anything you want at any show as long as you act like you belong my advice is just to make a fake tag 
and then just try to talk to as many like high up people as you can. Like just invent your own credential. The people inside don't give a shit. Make up a company. May, yeah. Get, tell every person you want to talk to like a different company like that you belong to. Just make it up like Yeah, just go for it. Yeah. You'd be surprised what you can get away with with any amount of confidence. If Long Haul Paul is going to be there making a speech, definitely sit around and watch that. That's really cool. Yeah. If, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, the IMS stuff, there's cool stuff. If they do the little like wheelie demos where they like show you how to like power wheelie a bike and like the bike's like strapped down so you can't, you know, flip it over. I don't know. That's fun to do. Um, demo all the electric bikes that they'll have there, like the electric bicycles and stuff, because why not? Uh, and um, yeah, just press people for information and pretend to be someone more important, because it's amazing how many people are there being paid to be there and need to report on you know what they've been doing there. And you'd be amazed how many people will just give you 40 minutes of their time to tell you way more than you need to know about something, but you'll learn something. So, yeah, I don't, I yeah. love these trade shows. I, I think they're super cool because you just find people who are just required to be there and they need someone to ask them <laughs> detailed questions, but that person rarely shows up. Yeah. All right. We got one more email left. All right. And this is from Eric, and he says, Guys, Pete is wrong about the new Enfield 350. It's a counterbalanced, fuel-injected, Euro 5-compliant engine that shares absolutely no parts with the old engine. It is overpriced in the U.S., but it's not really designed for us. What? I don't know if that contradicts anything we said. Well, I had questions about how new this motor was, but okay. I didn't have all the info. So, I okay. I mean, I didn't care about how new it was. I thought it was still. I mean, it's Euro silly. five, but still, why is it making less power than the Honda three fifty? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that that makes you don't need a lot of power. It's not designed for us. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Like, if if you if it's a bike that's only for the Indian market, the lack of horsepower matters less. Would also, but it wouldn't be Euro Five if it was only for the Indian. I mean, they're kind of like. Well, again, this is also an efficiency thing. Like, you know, Indians do care about efficiency. Like, they do live in a subcontinent. Like, it's not like they don't have commutes. It's true. Yeah, I you know I I just thought I, it's it's very underwhelming as a U.S. release. So uh, yeah. it's it's this is. Well, I think what we ultimately didn't we ultimately land on. I mean, I know this is my opinion, but didn't we say this on the show that like it's just not for us. It's not something to get excited about. I think we did say don't get excited. This is along the lines of the Honda India only CB350. Like Oh, the Highness? Yeah. The Highness. Yeah. Even if this does get sold here, it's just not going to sell here. But I think that they needed something to kind of replace the old classic 500s with because they're just straight garbage. 
So it's like, well, here's our beginner bike, right? So for the U.S. market well, as a beginner, a beginner bike, yeah. it's just a complete waste of time. I'm sure it's fine in India. I Yeah. I, I mean, it, in India, all you need is five horsepower. I mean, traffic just doesn't move at any rate of speed. You don't need a lot of power in India. But for here, it's totally dumb. Yeah. But again, he just said it's not really for us. I mean, but then we have to ask, well, then why why bother? I don't even know if it's even like on India for this. Because, you know, if, as a company, you're going to just spread and get whatever marketing you can. But I think... I think this is a failure of... The fact that there's any kind of like hype around this is the same as it was with the highness, which is like, why are you like so into this? Why is there so much coverage of this? Because we shouldn't care about it. It's just an old, old name. It's a bike that looks like an old, old bike. There's still a, there's still a percentage of people that are going to get excited about any throwback bike. And that's yeah. fine. If you want to be excited about throwback bike, throwback bikes, cool. But I don't get, don't get all about uh, up in it about this particular one. It's not, it's not as cool as I you mean, might think it is. When we run out of content, at least we just go, we talk about dumb shit. Like we don't pretend that, inconsequential bikes are really important or trendy or that you need to know about this we just get goofy which i i feel like more and or inaccurate yeah (laughs) there you go (laughs) that's true wildly apocryphal so yeah i no i i'm i'm willing to i'm willing to concede that this is probably a perfectly fine bike that serves a lot of people in india um, but yeah, it, for, but for the U S market, I think my, my claims of how it's like the, basically a, a poorly conceived Honda rebel hold. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There you go. Cool. Now I think we need to end this episode. Yeah. Okay, so 170 coming to a close. I when I tried to end this episode half an hour ago, I had closing thoughts, things that we needed to cover, but we'll just get to it next episode. I know there's sort of news items that have to do with the show, but I I can't think of it anymore. So this will be the first time that I've prolonged an episode of the podcast. I know, right? It's so. usually me, but <laughs> yeah, no, we needed to do emails. We haven't done it for so long. Okay. So, uh, right, episode 170, uh, signing out. I've been Moji Pete, he's been Swiggy, and this has been 170. Let's run the outro. And I don't want to die. I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Mm-hmm, cold.